Mets fans, I want to take a quick break from talking baseball and let you know about the next top prospect in building a smart home. Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is that big time new star prospect. The Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is a smart lock, a 2K resolution camera, and a doorbell. It's three devices in one, triple the security. You know triples are rare in baseball, but not with Eufy. You can have everything in one device rather than install many pieces on your front door. It's not just for security, but also for convenience. Just the other night, I had tons of packages in the rain. Rather than fumble for my keys, I easily entered my home. This is big since I have four dogs who are impatiently waiting for me at the door. No more concerns about losing keys, and you could assign passwords to your family members. Worried about when your loved ones are getting home? Eufy allows you to see them coming back home via the integrated camera. Hey Mets fans, this is a home run. I had a competitive product before Eufy, and it's the difference between a one-dimensional hitter and a five-tool player. Eufy is that five-tool superstar. Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com to learn more. Already sold? Go to Amazon and get your Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Want to go to the store? Best Buy will have it starting around May 20th. Get complete control over your front door at ease with the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's another edition of the Talking Mets Podcast here on this Monday, May the 14th, 2018. Of course, you can check out the show all the time over at our friends at MetsMorizedOnline.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media, and you can get the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. Hope everybody's uh, doing well. Day late, not a dollar short with this podcast. Hope you enjoyed if you have had a chance, my appearance on WLIE 5.40 a.m., I was guest co-hosting with Justin Walters of Verizon Fios, and uh, Rich Catino was on assignment down in Philadelphia. So when I don't do a podcast, I mean, I always do a podcast every week. That's the goal here, especially during the baseball season. Sometimes during the offseason, we'll skip a week here or there, depending on what's going on, but always during the season. I will put on my WLIE or any other appearance on the podcast feed. If you want to listen, great. If not, so be it, but I thought that was a fun show and hope you enjoyed it. Decided to do today because of the day off, see what kind of news came out. Not much going on, but interesting story from Dave Island and some of his comments on Noah Syndergaard. So I'll, uh, I'll get to that in just a minute. We'll talk about Mickey Calloway and where he stands now that we're six weeks in. Some grumblings from the fan base. And uh, we'll put a final ode to Matt Harvey here and, and talk a little bit about that as that trade went down since the last time I was on the air. So it's been a been about a week or so since all that 
all that happened. So we'll 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 take it from there. But uh, anyway, um, hope everybody had a, a good Mother's Day weekend. And you know, Mets. Look, this is the same story we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks here. It's basically you know the eight and eighteen Mets, and then there's the eleven and one Mets. And when you came, you know, when you come down to it, you're basically around 500. That's what this team has been around 500, two to three games out, depending on which team you're looking at. You know, we'll see how real the Braves and the Phillies are. The Nationals just came off a great sweep of the Diamondbacks who've been hot, and they come to City Field later this week. It's really time for the Mets to kick it into gear. I mean, this homestand, I don't want to say it's critical, but you can't have another one and seven, two and six on this eight game homestand. You got to kick it into gear. You got Toronto, you got Miami, you've got Diamondbacks. That's going to be tough playing the American League teams. That's always tough. Those interleague games, they're always kind of toss ups. And then you got the Marlins who, listen, look, I don't want to hear about, well, the Mets haven't played the Marlins, the Marlins are Patsies. They're a major league team. And those teams give you a hell of a hard time sometimes. Ask the Mets throughout their history. They've had some hard times against some bad teams, especially in September. Look at 2007. The Nats, the Marlins, they gave them a hell of a time. Those were not great teams. Those were bad teams that they were playing. So important eight-game homestand. It was funny because after Mickey Calloway allowed Paul Sewell to pitch to uh, Nick Williams yesterday in, uh, what was it, the sixth inning? Yeah, it was the sixth, it was the sixth inning. After they allowed, I mean, uh, the fans were just lighting him up on Twitter, just lighting him up on Twitter. And, you know, I looked at it and I said, all right, let me let me see. Is this because I said, ah, I should have went with the lefty. That was my first reaction. Should have went with the lefty. And that's a, That's a fair first reaction. But then I kind of went to his splits and I said, well, he's not exactly lightening up this year, lefty or righty. And first career, there hasn't been any extreme splits either way. And then you had Cesar Hernandez on deck, who really hits lefties well at a very high rate. So if Blevins walked or couldn't get Williams out, you're going to probably have to switch and bring in another arm. So it really made a lot of sense to stick with with Seawald, who's been good this year, much better against lefties than he was last year. And he didn't execute. So, you know, I saw one fan say, well, the Mets need to fire Callaway immediately and bring in Joe Girardi. Well, the Yankee fans didn't love Girardi all the time throughout his tenure. Well, let's remember that Girardi was there ten years almost, and he, he there wasn't a love fest with Girardi at, uh, at various points. But I would say this about Callaway: I know that you guys are expecting every game is going to be a referendum on Callaway going forward. That's the way it is in this town now. But when you really look at the whole situation here, six weeks in, guys had a pitching staff that has struggled at times to go five innings. His two aces. The Grom and Syndergaard. He's really been one and a half aces because Syndergaard hasn't been great. We'll get to that a little bit with Dave Island's comments. Uh, Matt's is starting to grind out some games, but he's been league average. Uh, Wheeler's been below league average. And once every five days, um, you've got a horrible start from Harvey, a horrible start from Vargas. I mean, not even competitive starts at times. So he's been dealing with a lot. Bullpen's been overworked, but I thought he's managed it pretty well. He's been creative at times and maybe a little different, but he's managed it pretty well. And you've had players in and out of the lineup, and they haven't even been that great. Conforto's been bad before his big hit on Friday. Uh, Bruce has been bad at times. Suspicious is on one leg, and he was slumping early on. 
I mean, you really have only had consistency out of a Struble Cabrera. Uh, Frazier's been pretty good. Now he's hurt. The shortstop has been in, uh, you know, not hitting at all. Catcher has been pitcher level performance with the bat. Now you got Mezzarocco. Let's see what happens there. First base has been up and down. Uh, defensively, they've been okay. You know, he, this is not exactly a complete team or a team that's firing on all cylinders. And for them to be above 500, and now this is where the rubber's going to meet the road, that old saying. Let's see if this team is different than prior years, because in prior years in the Collins, this would just start to slip. Last year, this would start to slip. And I know they came back in 2016, but that was against a pretty mediocre schedule late in the year. And they have not really, this team has not kicked themselves into gear since 2015. It's been a long time. That's very far in the rearview mirror. So to me, now is the time to see what this team is made of. Yes, it's going to depend on the players, but let's see. You know, can Callaway get these guys going? Can they continue to play hard for him? Can they continue to buy into? I mean, they're all talking the right talk about playing together, accepting their roles. They all want to win. They all want to compete. They all want to be in the playoffs. Because at the end of the day, it's about making the tournament here. Yeah, you want to win a division and put yourself in a good position when you get in that tournament. But you get in, you're dangerous. It doesn't matter who you are. And that's what that's about. And there's no reason why this team can't be in that tournament. I'm sorry. You can't convince me otherwise that this team is not good enough to make the playoffs. Just can't. With all the nonsense that's gone on, they're still over 500. It could be a lot worse. It could be better, but it could be a lot worse for a team that's not firing on all cylinders. Just go to baseball reference. Look at the historical performances of a lot of these hitters. They're not even close. And Callaway's got them right, right there. So let's, let's just back off on the Callaway hate. Let's not make every game a referendum on Callaway. And look, every manager is going to make decisions that you're not going to agree with. If you thought when they eliminated Terry Collins from the Mets lexicon that you weren't ever going to complain about a manager's bullpen management, which, by the way, he doesn't really bother me most of what he's done, you're crazy. You're crazy. You don't, you don't think that they'd ever complain about the lineup? You're crazy. So, uh, you know, to me, Mickey Calloway has been uh, just fine. Uh, let's see. Let's continue. I'm not sold either way. I, 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 you know, I'm not saying he's the greatest manager ever. I'm not saying I, he's. I'm still evaluating him, but he hasn't annoyed me yet. And by no means do I think that he's the uh, a negative on this team. After seven years, where the manager was one of the weakest links on the team in the dugout, every game, no matter who you played, you probably were on the wrong end on the managerial side. Uh, to me, you can't go crazy six weeks in with a new guy here uh, in the dugout. So that's, that's where I am with Callaway. Uh, big homestand coming up. Let's take a quick break. When I return, Dave Island had some interesting things to say about Noah Syndergaard and the starting rotation. Spoke to Mike Puma earlier today, and I uh, have some thoughts on that. You're listening to the Talking Mets podcast uh, here on this Monday, May the 14th. Check out the show all the time at MetsmerizedOnline.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media. And you can give the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. We'll be back with more Talking Mets podcast right after this. In the air to right field. Wow, that is gone! Off the base of the scoreboard. Nick Williams pops off the bench yet again. A three-run home run, and the Phillies take the lead. Good time. There you go. There's your hit with men in scoring position in two outs. Oh, hopefully that'll give Aaron Dolan a chance to get that W. 
Hey, a little slider low and away, kind of a backdoor slider. And that was way out of here. It begs the question is why is Blevins not in, but the Phillies are happy about it. Forgot to kind of mention there in the open, Matt Eholt of the record will join us in just a little bit. So Matt Eholt will join us, and we'll have some fun with him, waiting on him in uh, a few, and we'll have a chance to see what his thoughts are about Mickey Calloway and where the Mets are. Dave Island, I had said, had some comments regarding uh, Noah Syndergaard and the Mets rotation. And here were some interesting things that Puma had put out there, just to put things into context. Not making excuses, not being apologetic, just putting things into context. The Mets have posted a 4.16 ERA. If you take Vargas out, pitchers not named Vargas have pitched to a 3.79 ERA. In this day and age, that's not bad. Not bad at all. Not as good as what they were a couple of years ago, uh, but not bad at all. Um, the bullpen has pitched to a 3.90 ERA. That's not bad either. And I know that Island was quoted as saying, we're not breaking it up that way. It's about getting 27 outs, but overall Vargas has been bad, and I bet you you take Harvey's numbers out of there, it's that much better. I mean, Harvey and Vargas are not even this elite. I mean, these are, you could get anybody, forget the name on the back, anybody to pitch better than that. Now, in the column with Puma, Island seems to believe that Vargas will be okay, because he's seen him pitch before in the American League West. He pitched for him in Kansas City, saw him with Seattle, so he doesn't seem concerned. We'll see. You have to believe that the injury, the, the Hammett bone that was broken and how that interrupted spring training, and then he had to continue to keep himself in shape by pitching behind a screen, messed with his mechanics. It's kind of a, a horrible start and go. So let's give him the benefit of the doubt for now. But right now, he's not competitive. So you have to be – I have no problem with them skipping him in the rotation. And, you know, the Mets need to be honest with themselves and say, hey, this guy needs to start performing quick. So I wouldn't pull the plug on him like some people want to, but, uh, you know, that, that's where you're at. But the interesting quote, and I really actually liked Island and how he said this because, to me, this is what has been missing from this team for so long about just calling people out and telling it like it is. And – here, I'll, I'll read the actual quotes from the story. So Puma, Puma writes at the, at the New York Post. You can get it at nypost.com or when you pick up your paper in the morning. Noah Syndergaard may have a big career upside, but his Mets pitching coach bristles at the notion the fireballing right-hander is in the performing in a season he was expected by many to produce Cy Young caliber numbers. I just don't know where the expectations come from. Island told the Post he spent, what, two and a half years in the big leagues? So I don't know where all the expectations came from. I wasn't here for all that, but he's yet to do a whole lot at the major league level. Now, is he capable of it? Yeah, but he's 25 years old. For the most part, every game he's kept us in and has given us a chance to win. So, I mean, here's a guy, Island. He saw Syndergaard pitch against them in game three of the World Series. Obviously, that whole throw behind the head of Alcides Escobar and all that, where that sparked, but you know, I feel exactly the same way. I never was in the camp of this five aces, and you got to prove that. you got to earn that. Now, there's their potential, sure. I love Steven Matz, but he hasn't proved, proven that he consistently be anything better than a league average pitcher. 
That's what he is now. And there's value to that, but that's not an ace. Same thing with Zach Wheeler. I'm not as high on Wheeler as others have been since he was acquired for Carlos Beltran, but he's got value. And to me, Syndergaard has shown flashes of dominance, but you're right. He was out most of all last year. He's not been great so far this year. He was really good in 2016. He was really good in the wild card play-in game. He was pretty good in the playoffs. He pitched really well against the Cubs. Came in in relief against the Dodgers. Pitched okay in Game 2 against the Dodgers, but his big contribution, in my opinion, was that one inning of relief in Game 5. And he pitched pretty good in the World Series. So he's done some really nice things, and I think this entire staff as a whole has suffered from the fact that during that 2015 innocent climb, during that run to the World Series, they pretty much went above and beyond what you would have expected out of them that year. And now they're always going to have to live up to that and then some. And that's life. So I'm not feeling sorry for them. But to me, Island basically telling Syndergaard, you're nothing special. And I know the fans, oh, my God, how can he say that? Oh, you know, Noah's going to be mad. Well, who cares? You know, all due respect to Noah Syndergaard. You know, I know he does all the goofy stuff on Twitter, the feud with Mr. Met, the Thor moniker. You know what? Just pitch, man. What I love about Jacob DeGrom, there's no cartoon characters. There's no flair. There's no Twitter. All it is, he goes out there and competes and wins or tries to win. Even yesterday, here's a guy who had El Zippo in the first inning, got through it with 45 pitches, no runs. Got some key outs to keep them in the ballgame. He could have he pitched one inning, got the doors blown off of him, but he didn't. That's exactly what he did in game five of the NLDS. So to me, I like this. I like the fact that Island's doing this because he's sending a message. You're just one of the guys. You're keeping us in games. But that's not something above and beyond. That's what I would expect of any pitcher. And if Noah Syndergaard's going to consider himself, quote-unquote, great, six innings, two runs, six innings, three runs is not great. Going seven, getting into the eighth. Occasionally throw me a complete game. I know that's, that's a different story. I'm not going to kill him for that. But getting into the seventh inning, consistently getting into the seventh, eighth inning, that's the kind of stuff that great pitchers do. See how uh, Max Scherzer all the time going deep into games. That's what you want to see out of a great pitcher. That's what I believe DeGrom is on the precipice of doing, and I don't know if Syndergaard's quite at the same level right now, but that's what you need out of Syndergaard as well. So no issues with those comments. Like it. Like what uh, he has to say. So let's take a quick break. When we return, I'll talk about the Matt Harvey deal. Final thoughts on that. Remember, Matty Holt of the record will be joining me in just a few We'll get his thoughts on all this. Noah Syndergaard, the rotation, Mickey Calloway. And uh, actually, there's some rumblings out there. The Mets might be looking at another former Met to come back. No, they're not trying to reacquire Matt Harvey. They're looking at somebody else that you probably remember. Let's take a quick break. When we return, we'll be back with more Talking Mets podcasts right after this. Yeah, you know what? It was just an administrative thing that, that I didn't take care of. Um, you know, I, I got to double check, triple check, and quadruple check, uh, you know, what's put on there and what's put on the board. Are you the one who normally does the cards? Is Gary do it? Or? I, I'm responsible for it. What was your reaction when, when that happened? No, I knew right when they went up there that it was, you know, that we get out of order. How, how exactly did it happen in terms of filling out a lineup card that's turned into the ump? versus one one one's handwritten um and the other is printed out on a computer did you know before they went out there that you the wrong guys were in order or was it something when you saw him come out of that no when he went up to the plate yeah and then you can't 
would say now that you can't do anything. Was it just mistranscribed or just that was something that had been there and you changed it or? Um, it was just uh, what was put in the computer was wrong. That second inning, were, were they confused as to who was supposed to be batting, whether it was Bruce or yeah, Gonzalez? Yeah. Um, once, well, I guess once Bruce has been announced, um, you know, he, he makes the last out and then you move on to the next player. You wanted was he the one he could have called it earlier. So the lineup you wanted was the one you turned in. Yes, yes. How just frustrating is that as a manager? No, it's frustrating. Um, you know, it could have. It probably cost us a game. We had a chance to uh, score in the first, and we didn't. back mike silva talking Mets podcast here so devin mazarocco from matt harvey i'm not going to get too much into it uh problem for a problem uh you know i actually it was funny when i heard that the reds were the team that looked to be closing in on harvey i said oh devin mazarocco that's interesting because he had that good season about three years ago we hit over 20 home runs uh, he had that big home run on friday to give the mets a little bit of a cushion against the phillies but Look, I don't know what Mesoraco's going to do. He's better than Nitto at this point. Thomas Nitto's been very disappointing at the big league level. He's clearly not ready. He's definitely better than Jose Lobatone. I think when Ploiecki comes back, they could find some kind of share time there. I think the Mets should continue to look at that position and see what they can get done. Uh, you know, I don't know if Mesoraco is a long-term play here, but he's better than what they've had. And uh, I know that there's some questions on his defense, but we'll see how that all turns out. So to me, uh, that's that. I know you're all getting crazy about Harvey pitching four scoreless innings. Uh, I'm not. Uh, it's, it's, it's not. If you – and I didn't see the game, but I was reading about it, and I was looking a little bit at the process stats. He's still a lot of contact. I think there was like two swings and misses during the game. So uh, to me uh, – there's, I would listen. Don't get crazy. I don't want you to pay attention to Matt Harvey. That's not the the focus right now. They did the right thing. Harvey had to, and I said this. I said this on WLAE. I've said this uh, when I was on the Carolina Sports Network when they were interviewing me before the Braves series. Going to another team, out of the limelight, rediscovering the new Matt Harvey, who doesn't have to be the Dark Knight. That is what he needed, and he got that. So, you know, that's the deal. Hey, so uh, there's some report. Um, uh, that the Mets might be taking a look at. Uh, I don't know if it's the Mets, but from the Rising Apple, it says the Mets are romancing the idea of bringing Bartolo Colon back. So here's the thing. I was all in favor of the Mets bringing Colon back on a minor league deal, and they seemed against it. Um, Colon has pitched pretty well in Texas, and that's the American League. And even last year, after he left Atlanta, he was just bad in Atlanta. I mean, to me, Cologne is a pitcher that needs to be in a winning energy environment. He wasn't horrible with the Twins. He was better, and he got off to a tough start, and then he seemed to improve. But so far this year, he's started six games. He's got an, uh, an ERA of 3.32. He's 1-1 one one for the Rangers. Uh, I don't expect that to continue. But, I mean, his peripherals with the Minnesota Twins, the walk rate's back to being low like it always is. The strikeout rate is the strikeout rate, 5-6 per nine innings. He was this big issue. It seemed like with the Braves last year was the walks were up. The walks were way up, more than he's ever 
had in you know since prior to when he had the surgeries back in 2007 2008 so Cologne to me had a command issue for whatever reason and then he left Atlanta and he seemed to rediscover it and he's pitching the American League he doesn't have the benefit of pitching to a, uh, the pitching the pitcher spot so look uh, if the idea is to bring him back I wouldn't give the Rangers much uh, can he be worse than what they've gotten at times no and I think they need the depth in the starting rotation. And I really don't know if I want to pull Lugo or Gazelman out of the bullpen because even with someone like Cologne coming back, you don't know how many innings he's going to give you. You know, right now it looks like the Mets want guys to go through the, the lineup twice, and then they want to go to the bullpen. They they ha- they've said that in the off season, and they're playing that out. Now I think with Degrom and Syndergaard, they they should be pushed to do more, but you know we'll see. They have to prove it as well. So to me, that's that's an inch. I'm all for that. I, I'm fine with that move and. And we'll take it from there. So anyway, let's take a quick break. When we return, Matt Eholt of the record will be joining us. Let's hear his thoughts on everything. Mickey Calloway, Dave Island's comments. And he also uh, had a chance to take a look at Ahmed Rosario's stats after 81 games. So we'll hear what his thoughts are on Rosario. Should the Mets maybe send Rosario down, put Reyes at the position? We'll see what he has to think about that. So we'll be back with Matt Eholt on the Talking Mets podcast right after this. Yeah, I mean, anytime you have success, especially against you know a good team like the Dodgers, and then, um, you know it's a good it's a good first start. Obviously, it's only four innings. There's there's a lot of a lot of work and, and a lot of season left. But I think to go out there and be successful and help get outs and, and help the team win is is, uh, is very important. I think uh, you know the long layoff. Definitely, definitely a little different from from what I'm used to, but uh, it was good to get on five day rotation and, and um, well, at least kind of feel that way the last week. I kind of um, treated it like that. I knew I was going to possibly start this weekend, so I wanted to kind of get back into that routine uh, while I was working out at the Morris place this past week. So it was good. It was fun. We're back, and joining us from the record, Matt Ewalt. He's the beat reporter for the Mets, and we've had him on a ton of times. And on this day off, he's been kind enough to spend a couple of minutes. Uh, Matt, welcome back. And you've had an 8-18 and team and a team that's been 11-1, uh, eight-game homestand coming up. Where do you f- – I mean, obviously you're not feeling great about this team, but it's really time, I would think, this eight-game homestand, if they're going to kick it into gear this month, be a nice time to do so. Yeah, certainly to kind of, you know, uh, the bad vibes that are kind of surrounding the team right now, to kind of put those in the rear view. Uh, and also, especially, I just think there's something, if they fall back to 500, there's just something about that that really is going to leave a bad stench around this team that, you know, you were 11 and 1, and then to fall to 500. I mean, you basically will have, you know, remember all those uh, stats, everybody, you know, myself included, we put out there early on and said, oh, you know, all the Mets got to do is. Just play 500 ball and they win. I forget what it was. However many games, or sorry, 86 games. Like then at that point, it will be well. You have to play 500 ball the rest of the year just to go 500. So you know they really, yeah, they they need to start showing some signs because right now, uh, you know, the Mets are not a team that I think you want to buy stock in at the moment. No, that's that's for sure. And the fact that the Yankees are playing so well. I think uh, ties into it. it makes things even look that much worse. But let's get to the manager, Mickey Calloway. He made a decision yesterday that 
was curious at first with uh, allowing Paul Sewell to pitch to Nick Williams. I, I wasn't upset with his explanation, and, and if you break down, you know, with Hernandez on deck hitting lefties and, and Williams, uh, you know, hitting lefties okay, it's, it's not the worst decision in the world. But what it did bring out, and I know it's just the fans, is you started to see the first hits in the armor, so to speak, with discontent from the fans. I mean, I even saw one silly poster talk about firing Callaway and bringing Girardi on. You knew that was going to come eventually. Look, Callaway could do no wrong through 12 games. I mean, the culture, all this. Now you're starting to see some questionable moves. Overall, with what he's been faced, starting rotation that's been uneven, overworked bullpen, offense that at times has been non-existent, guys in and out of the lineup. Now you got Cespedes on one leg. I don't think he's done an awful job. I know it's a learning curve with the lineup situation and the, and the lineup card, but I don't think he's done a terrible job through six weeks. No, he no he hasn't. Uh, you know he he's made some questionable bullpen moves. Uh, I'll be honest, some some of the ways he handles the bullpen sometimes I look at it and I'm not sure exactly what he you know I, I don't understand the exact when I say don't understand I. I guess I should say I disagree with sometimes some of the way he pulls guys rather quickly. But, no, I mean, he's a first-time manager navigating his way through a bullpen. And, you know, there's going to be hiccups along the way. I mean, you saw it yesterday. I mean, yesterday, he listen, Callaway is not going to outright say it, but you watch yesterday's game. I mean, all you had to do to watch that game was just – it was clear he just doesn't trust Jerry Blevins at the moment. Like, because if Jerry Blevins got lefties out – you put him in that game because who who says the Mets don't score five runs in the bottom of the inning and then it's a blowout. So you always have to, you know, you go for the win when you can win it. Um, it you know, obviously the trust in Blevins is not there at the moment. So, but no, I mean, his bullpen management, you know, it, it's been okay. I, I don't think it's been great. I don't think it's been bad. You know, they talked a lot about they were going to, really not have a closer that hasn't come to fruition. Uh, there's really only been one or twice where they've made a move and it's been like, oh, okay, uh, that, that's an aggressive move. That's like a progressive thinking. But, you know, uh, overall, I, I think, you know, ultimately a lot of this stuff falls falls to the players. Uh, you know, it, it really it, – the players make the manager look good or they make them look bad. And that was the case no matter who the manager was. Uh, and I know you're not a big fan of the Terry Collins regime, but – Ultimately, the players, you know, ultimately make the manager look good or bad. No, that's a, that's that's fair. I I totally get that. Matty Holt of the record joining us, talking a little bit about the Mets here on this day off. Uenis uh, Cespedes, uh, to some degree, there are those that believe that the team is playing a little roulette with him again. He looked gimpy out there this weekend in Philadelphia. Uh, you know, he says he's it's not the same. He's eighty five percent. You do like him grinding it out. I know that that's a a big thing, and maybe a big thing for Cespedes because there's always been maybe some talk about how much he put into last year or how quickly he shut it down. But you know, I'm starting to look at it. Would it be the worst thing? I know they've done this before. You don't play him the next couple of games. I know you'll be shorthanded. See how he is on Thursday. And then if he's not better on Thursday, DL him. You could backdate the DL. You miss him for 10 days, and you're not really missing him for as many games because you have the couple of days off this week. Um, you know, but maybe he's not going to get any better with that. I don't know if 10 days is enough. Uh, it's just he did not look good yesterday. And there's the concern that you're playing a little roulette with your best hitter. No, I, I certainly don't think that'd be the worst idea in the world. Uh, you know, he, he's running very gingerly out there. You can see uh, it's affecting him. And, I mean, you know, the, the history has been he plays through this uh, these things and then it affects him. So, 
no, I, I certainly don't think it would be the worst idea in the world. But, you know, the Mets, uh, you know, they they don't tend to really put the guys on the DL like that. So, I mean, we'll see. But, no, I, I certainly don't think it would be the worst thing. He clearly is effective. Um, now, they do have him in the lineup because, as you saw yesterday, he can obviously do what very few other other guys can do in that lineup, especially at a time with nobody in the lineup outside of his Drupal Cabrera's hitting. But, you know, you're risking a, a – a bigger injury by keeping him in the lineup. You put a tweet out earlier about Ahmed Rosario, who's played exactly 81 games in the big leagues, compared him to another, a couple other big-time prospect shortstops that are a little more established. Rosario through 81, not looking all that well, huh? You know, well, it's interesting. I mean, the the story was not obviously – it was not something to, to bash Rosario. It was an interesting – I just thought, you know, halfway through his, uh, a full season, where does he stand? And, you know, it, it's a very interesting thing, I think, with a young guy like him because he was so touted. I mean, top five, ESPN had him as a top-ranked prospect. So there are certain expectations. Everybody expects it. Now, at the same time, though, you know, this guy was obviously not as – you know, polished as some of the other guys. I mean, you look at knew he was not as offensive ready as the other guys. So when you look at it, it it's a very interesting uh, development, I think, looking at where he is because it's not there. But, you know, like uh, as you pointed out in the story, you know, Pat Rossler said, hey, a lot of statistics he's improved. You know, he's, uh, you know, gone up in terms of his, you know, his chase rate is down. He makes more contact. It's all that. It's just not translating. So, you know, it's very interesting to keep an eye on him because, Certainly the Mets want him to, you know, they need him to be an important part of the lineup. You know, this is a cornerstone player. But, you know, he, I mean, personally, I've been a little surprised we haven't seen more offensively. I thought we were going to see more of an impact player by now, uh, offensively at least. And just really, I I don't think we we really have not seen much uh, above, uh, and it's not. Like, I mean, you haven't even seen an a major league average offensive player at this point. No, you haven't. And uh, with Reyes struggling, you really can't even entertain the thought of sending him down to Vegas. I don't know if that – that doesn't sound like that's even on the the table with them. But this is about winning this year. And if Reyes was really playing well, and maybe you can't see that until he plays every day. I don't know how well Reyes is adjusting to the once-in-a-while off-the-bench situation. You, you you know, you really don't know when you don't have confidence where you could say, okay, we'll put the veteran out there, give him the everyday job at short, and let Reyes get a little bit more uh, time in AAA or more reps down there. I don't even know if that would be in his best interest. doesn't sound like that's on the table at all with the Mets. No, I haven't heard that. The, no, I've heard that the, they're, not, they're not considering sending him to the minors. So that, that, that puts it to, to bed. Now, that's a little fantasy baseball talk, but there was on ESPN – Talk about, you know, what would it take to get Manny Machado? Could you could you see a scenario, and I know the Mets don't have the the most depth in the farm system, but knowing that the guy is going to walk at the end of the year, who knows what the Orioles would get. They don't want to maybe trade him to a division rival, the Yankees, the Red Sox, things like that. Would you see the Mets, you know, putting Rosario, you know, Peter Alonso's hitting, maybe see if one of the young pitchers as the summer goes on develops, making a rental like that? No. I know it's so early, no, but because, it's, it's fun talk, I guess. No, because it, cause it's a rental. Yeah. That's wouldn't do that for a rental. I, I, I just, yeah. I, I can't, uh, unless you were going to sign the guy, unless you know you're going to sign the guy long-term, I could not see the Mets doing that. 
you don't see the Mets investing or giving up. They would have to give up depth for a rental. That's a that's a that's a fair point. Yeah, I, I don't Alto, see that record, happening. Maddie Alto, the record joining us here, uh, talking a little bit here on the day off. Uh, I don't know if you had a chance to see it, but uh, Dave Island made some comments earlier about the rotation. Downplayed some of the struggles a little bit. Pointed out, you know, with Jason Vargas numbers out of there, it's not nearly as bad overall. The bulk the staff has an ERA a little over four bullpen under four you take Vargas out the rotation looks a little bit better but even and it was interesting he talked about and maybe this is more about the headline than really the meat and potatoes of the comment he talked about Noah Syndergaard being still very young only in the league a couple of years and the term overhype came up the the word overhype came up it's interesting because Island's a straight shooter and you wonder is this a way for him to use the media maybe to send a message or to kind of level the some of the the hype or expectations that seems to follow these guys. And sometimes you, nothing ever looks good when everybody's comparing you to being Clayton Kershaw or Max Scherzer or the next great thing. Maybe you just have to be Noah Syndergaard at that point. No, certainly. But, you know, I mean, it, it is, I think, I think the point he was more trying to make uh, with that, and obviously I did not speak to him. Uh, I was not the one he gave the comment to, but, you know, w- when you do look at it, you know, Syndergaard has only completed one, full season in the major leagues, right? So, you know, he had a half season in 15, essentially. He had a full year than last year. So, you know, it is something, I think this point was more along the lines of, like, hey, let the guy complete a full season in the majors, and then you go from there. Like, I think it was, you know, like, at this point, he's really only completed one season. So, you know, people are expecting him, you know, what's the, what's the way that you emerge? You have to do it repeatedly. And it's not a knock on Syndergaard because he's young, but he's only done it for one season. So that is more of what I took as, uh, you know, what he was trying to get at, uh, you know. And, hey, you know, Island is a, uh, Island is a you know, he, he's a tough love guy. So, you know, that's something, uh, that's kind of the way he operates. I know you're probably tired of talking about Matt Harvey, but, you know, one last thing here. You know, it's the first time I've been on since the, the deal. Mesoraco is a similar situation as Harvey, underachieving, formerly hype prospect. Uh, obviously, Harvey goes out, throws four scoreless innings in L.A. Uh, I didn't watch all the game, but you read a little bit about it, watched some highlights. It looks like it's a similar contact type of process that he's employing. Um, you know, Mesoraco is an interesting guy. I don't think he's going to solve the catching problem, but he's certainly an upgrade. And uh, I'm not sure if you, you watched at all the game in L.A. or highlights of the game, I should say. You're covering the Mets. Um, you know, I'm not really sure nothing, anything has changed with Harvey. Uh, it's, it's really uh, your problem for my problem type of trade. I would, I would look at it that way. Yeah, it, it's, you know, it, it's basically uh, one of those things where it's like, hey, you know, the, they have a guy who uh, is, is underperforming. The other team has an area of need, and they're basically both hoping they'll upgrade. The Mets are looking, thinking they might get a starting catcher out of the deal. The Reds are looking at it and saying, hey, uh, we can get more for Matt Harvey possibly at the trade deadline than we will for Devin Mezzarocco. So eight-game homestand, I mean, you really feel this team needs to kick it into gear? I mean, look, no one's going to lose for the most part a playoff spot in May, and with two wild cards, you could probably mess around for up to maybe 80, 81 games. You know, the Minnesota Twins were out of it one week last year, and then they're buying the next week. Uh, you know, what what do you need to see out of the Mets the next couple of weeks? Is it a matter of a certain record, kicking into gear, certain things? Like, what do you think needs to happen here? Are you are you putting a little sense of urgency maybe now that, you know, we're into, we're into almost a month of bad play at this point? 
Yeah, I think that's fair. I think you, you kind of need to see them score. Uh, I think you need to see the offense wake up. You know, the the, the pitching has been better. I, I think you need to see uh, them hit the ball, uh, you know, a little bit better here, here than they have been because, I mean, ultimately I think the pitching is going to be fine, but they're going to have to prove that they can score some runs. Matt, always a pleasure. Thank you for your time. Appreciate it. We'll catch up soon, okay? No problem. Thanks for having me. That's uh, Matty Holt of The Record. Always enjoy uh, catching up with him, uh, kind of giving you some of his thoughts on what I had to say. Hey, we'll take a quick break when we return. We'll wrap up. We'll have final thoughts right after this. Hey, Mets fans. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. If you're looking for the best unbiased and independent coverage of the New York Mets, then look no further than MetsmerizedOnline.com. Metsmerized Online is the go-to place for comprehensive Mets coverage, including exclusive interviews, daily original articles, great weekly features, in-depth analysis, minor league reports, game-by-game breakdowns, and so much more. Find out why thousands of fans turn to Metsmerized Online every day to get the latest news and opinions about the Mets. Coming from an impressive staff of the most passionate fans and skilled writers ever assembled all in one place. Check it out for yourselves, Mets fans. Go to MetsmerizedOnline.com right now. That's Mets, M-E-R-I-Z-E-D, online.com, and get Metsmerized today. Final thoughts here, and appreciate Matt Hilt coming on the program. Always uh, enjoy taking a couple of minutes with him. Interesting on like the kind of the fantasy baseball type of conversation. And that was, you know, what would it take to get Manny Machado? You heard me bring that up to Matt and I didn't really talk about it too much in the open, but the Orioles are out of it. They have him as a free agent. He's going to expect a pretty big deal. And you know, Machado's a guy, I mean, look, he's playing shortstop, could play third uh, so far this year. And he, he didn't have a great year last year. He had 259. He had 33 homers and 95 RBIs, but uh, you know his on-base percentage was 310. He was slightly above actually league average last year playing third base. Moved to shortstop, which he hasn't played a ton of. I mean, he's been basically pushed over to the third base throughout most of his career since he came up when he was 19 years old in 2012. Now he's at shortstop full-time. I mean, here's a guy that's already got 13 home runs, 38 RBIs. Got an OPS over a thousand, an OPS plus of one ninety six. Where you know that's, you know, you're approaching Barry Bonds territory over there. More than that, you know, A Rod territory, things like that. And he's finally showing the potential that he's always had. He's always been a really good player, but he had the knee injuries, and now he's a free agent. So you say to yourself, do you roll the dice as the year goes on and go for it? And you're not at that point right now. And you heard what Matt Eholt said. It's probably against Sandy Holderson's nature. But a move like that would fall more into ownership saying, hey, go out and do it. And do you take Rosario and Peter Alonso, who is going to start to get on some radars there? He's hitting a ton of home runs down in Binghamton. And you got Justin Dunn and, and Peterson. I mean, they got some arms that may not be – you know, baseball America, you know, top 10, but you know, you don't know, you don't know what these are, these prospect ranking lists. You just don't know. Rosario was ranked in some list last year as the top prospect in all of baseball. And he's certainly not playing like it right now. You would probably take Gleyber Torres right now over Rosario. Um, 
So it's some interesting talk radio debate, but I would say this. Depending on how the season goes and how close the Mets are, and I know you guys are going to think I'm crazy, I always play for the now instead of the future. I always play for the now instead of the future. And if it means giving up, because eventually this window is this window, and when it closes, you're going to have to rebuild anyway. So if it comes down to it where even if you don't think you could sign him, and, and odds are who knows what kind of contract he wants, and, and we all know about the Mets and finances, and they'd have to compete with a bunch of teams, and it, would, it wouldn't be like Mike Piazza when Mike Piazza signed during that exclusive window and wanted to be here. But you never know. You never know how, how he takes this. I would do it. I would absolutely say, okay, here's – look at my farm system. Who do you want? You're not going to give up Syndergaard and the Grom and guys. That, they, they're going to want young players. I don't know if the Mets have the kind of young players the Orioles want. But I know Peter Alonso is interesting. I know they have a couple of young arms and Justin Dunn, and they had the draft pick from last year, Peterson. They've got, um, they've got Rosario, who's in the big leagues. You know, Don Smith is still there if you want. I don't know what they think of him. Certainly I don't, I don't think he would be as prized as Alonzo right now because Alonzo seems to be moving up on the Mets' uh, charts. I don't know what their scouts think. But to me, at this point, you're about winning right now. I would go for it. I'm not saying the Mets would do that. I would go for it. I would bring in. That's the kind of offensive player that would energize this team, similar to, I think, that what Piazza did in 1998 with a team that kind of was in the same boat. They were struggling to score. And they were in that same 500 muck for a while. And Piazza came in and did it. Now, I don't think the Orioles are ready to dump him now like the Dodgers dumped Piazza. That was a unique situation with ownership. And it was a unique situation that the Marlins were the way station and flipped them real quick. So you don't have similar apples to apples here. But certainly, in my opinion, I'd give it a shot. I'd see what the Do- I would see what the Orioles wanted. And I would go for it. I'm all about going for it. You guys, a lot of you guys want to be about five years from now, rebuild this, go for it now. Put your chips to the center of the table, and if it blows up in your face, you got to rebuild anyway. So what the heck? So, you know, interesting stuff, something that we brought out with, uh, brought up with Matt Eholt. So anyway, I want to thank Matt Eholt. Of course, you could check him out on Twitter at Matt Eholt. Check out his great work over at The Record. I want to thank all of you good folks over at MetsmerizedOnline.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media, and you can get the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Of course, over at our friends, The Grueling Truth, which are part of the iHeart Media Network. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of your Monday. Enjoy the rest of your week. We'll be back next weekend, regular time. Till then, be well.
Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt, a classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old, soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow, but I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but if you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.